Okay. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This evening, we are going to continue our study in the book of Job, uh, chapter 9, Job responding to Bildad. So before we do that, let's take a few seconds, uh, closing our eyes, bowing our 
head, bowing our, our eyes, closing our eyes, bowing our heads. And then after a few seconds, I will open this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for uh, the great, greatest gift you've given us, could have given us, is your Son, his finished work, his sacrificial work uh, for us on the cross. And we're thankful, Father, that uh, it's simply through an act of faith in his, his work on the cross, his redemptive work for us, that we have eternal life. We're thankful, Father, that um, we have the opportunity to tell others, uh, those who have never heard or who have heard and don't uh, have yet to make a decision. We pray, Father, for uh, our nation. We're thankful, Father, for uh, the blessings that you have given us. We're thankful that this nation uh, is a nation that was uh, established on uh, biblical principle, biblical, um, biblical principles. We're thankful that uh, it truly is uh, your nation, and we pray, Father, that you would deliver it from the uh, the difficulties and the uh, uh, adverse the, the adversities that uh, uh, that have settled upon it, not because of uh, anything outside the nation but from in. We also pray, Father, for our, our president, uh, the man that you placed in the office. We pray for his health, his, uh, <clears throat> his safety, and also, Father, for his understanding of what needs to be done uh, in the nation. We pray for his, therefore, his wisdom, uh, also, Father, for uh, his success. We ask now us, uh, for us as we uh, study the, the Word of God, the book of Job, about Job. And we, Father, we uh, ask for your blessing upon us so that we will honor you and we'll understand <clears throat> the, uh, the lessons uh, that we uh, need to learn and be able to apply. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Before I begin, uh, on Sunday, I read a passage from uh, a biography about uh, William McKinley, and Hal sent me uh, uh, a passage from another book. It was... uh, Ira Stanky's autobiography, and he this section of the uh, his of the book says one of my last lectures on sacred song and story was delivered before a large audience audience in the Church of the Covenant, and that was in Washington D.C. Uh, at which the late Secretary of State, 
John Hay, member of Congress and judges of the Supreme Court, were present. Uh, John Hay was uh, Secretary of State during the the first term of William McKinley. The favorite... Uh, the, the favorite hymn, Near to God, uh, Near My God to Thee, was sung very heartily by the congregation. I requested the pastor, the Reverend Dr. Hamlin, to make an appointment for an interview with President William McKinley. Two days later, we visited the White House. The president greeted me warmly, saying he was very glad to meet me, as he had often heard me sing in Ohio. And, of course, uh, William McKinley is from the state of Ohio. So that's where he was born and uh, was reared. And he was the, uh, he served in the House of Representatives and uh, also was the governor of, of Ohio for at least two terms. So he said he had heard me, meaning Iris uh, Sankey, uh, sing in Ohio. I understand that you are quite a fine singer yourself. I, Ira, speaking to the president, I replied. He smiled and said, I don't know to that, uh, as to that, but I try to sing with the spirit and the understanding. He seemed very bright and happy and he gave me his autograph. The next day, the president went to New York and attended the service at the Fifth, uh, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, during which Near My God to Thee was sung. The president's voice was heard as he joined heartily in his favorite hymn. A reporter took a photograph of the president as he was singing, which appeared the next day in one of the New York papers. In 1902, in Buffalo, New York, uh, September, as a matter of fact, As he was dying by the hands of an assassin, the martyred president was heard singing faintly, Near my God to thee, nearer to thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my songs shall be, Near my God to thee, nearer to thee. And thus passed away one of the noblest men of our age, on the day of his funeral at Canton, Ohio, all trains, trolley cars, and nearly all machinery in the United States were stopped for five minutes, and Near My God to Thee was sung in nearly every church in the land. So, uh, here is uh, President McKinley who had uh, a significant impact on uh, those who knew him, or if they did not, they soon learned that he was uh, a godly man. It's sometimes difficult for us to tell uh, who is a believer, but it certainly seems that he was. Uh, He spoke of his, uh, his Savior, He uh, mentioned to his wife uh, when he was uh, mortally uh, shot 
that it's not uh, our will, but God's will be done. And so he had the right attitude. Um, and he was content uh, to either live or to die, to be with uh, his his wife, friends, and his nation, or to be uh, with the Father and his Savior. So uh, this is uh, the kind of impact, I think, that uh, we all should have as well. All right. We are... Uh, in the book of of Job, we are uh, last week we studied Bildad's first speech to Job, and that was Job eight. And this week we begin uh, jo- uh, Job's respond, and it's going to be covered in. Two, uh, two chapters, Job 9 and Job 10. Uh, Job 9 uh, uh, has verses 1 through 35. And I would have loved to have covered both of Job's chapters here, 9 and 10. But I think tonight, um, 35 verses will probably... Uh, be sufficient unless anybody wants to stay a little longer but um, uh, this section is interesting and as a matter of fact I found this uh, comment this uh, two paragraphs here in uh, the Moody Bible commentary um, written uh, at least edited by Michael Ryde. Um, Rydelnik. And this is one of the comments because the book of Job is not the easiest um, book to um, to exegete uh, and also to, to teach. But it is a book that speaks of Job, uh, his uh, adversities, uh, the attitudes of those around him. And uh, as we listen to them, I think one of the things that, that we uh, can do is listen to them and realize that very often that's who we are. Um, because not always do we have divine viewpoint. Uh, very often, human viewpoint um, dominates our thoughts. And therefore, uh, as we read this, we may not be able to say, this doesn't sound quite right. And the answer is yes. And hopefully you're able to identify the, um, the passages that uh, are either uh, presented by Job's friends or that Job himself uh, are, uh, is um, expressing. Uh, but these, these passages, I think, help us. It says, this section emphasizes 
Job's struggle with understanding the reason for his suffering. And very often we find ourselves in the same situation, uh, suffering, uh, going through some adversity, and we wonder why. You know, why would this uh, occur? Did Is there something that we did? And very often we can answer that. I'm not certain it is. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. But... Uh, we wonder why we are struggling, and that's what Job wonders. Uh, one of the uh, theologians writes, the text hints at some unknown reason for Job's suffering above and beyond the dispute over Job's motives described in the prologue. Uh, his motives in the first, uh, in the prologue, uh, would be, uh, give us a sense that he did live an honorly life. So there must be something going on. At least that's um, what we might think. Neither Job's friends nor his readers are truly able to assess fully the reason for his suffering. And that's pretty much what uh, most people try to, um, in some analysis, try to understand why. Uh, this is this is occurring. Ancient and modern day believers in the Lord must remember that suffering serves a spiritual purpose. At times, God chooses to bring believers to spiritual maturity through suffering to help strengthen their integrity towards him. Paul testifies to this when he declared, after asking God three times to remove this thorn in the flesh, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 9. Yet, at other times, God permits suffering to bring glory to himself. And... We are unable to uh, assess why. The blind man of John 9 illustrates this truth. To the disciples' Job-like question, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus replied, It was neither. It was neither uh, this man or his parents that he would be born blind. Jesus said, it was neither that that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. The ultimate explanations for suffering are in the hands of God. And I think for us to try at times to... um, determine why certain things are happening in our lives, in someone else's lives, uh, in our children's lives, our parents' lives, our friends' lives. We simply have, we simply must uh, step back and say, this suffering is in the hands of God. Um, We simply at times and most times do not know because 
while we learn more about the mind of God through studying the word of God, um, knowing the mind of God can be very difficult for us. Okay. Well, that's a, a, a bit of a start here. And uh, I'll try to explain uh, some of what is happening here in chapter <clears throat> chapter 9 uh, as we proceed. But as I said, um, the book of Job, uh, very often because of the way uh, the questions or the narrative, uh, whether they're statements or uh, interrogatives, state, uh, questions, uh, they can sometimes be, uh, be difficult. Um, so the book of Job, Bildad's first speech, we saw that uh, last week, Job 8, and now uh, Job's response, 9 and 10. Uh, last week, we saw <clears throat> these uh, as sort of an outline of Bildad's presentation. First of all, Bildad's defense of God's justice. And we saw that in chapter 8, 1 through 7. We also saw, secondly, Bildad's proof from history. So he he begins with his statement, and then he tries to prove it from history, verses 8 through 10. And then he presents illustrations from nature, verses 11 through 19. And then uh, he closes the off uh, the uh, verse uh, chapter, his presentation, um, with a, a slim uh, offer of hope, verses twenty through twenty-two. Now, uh, in Job's reply, his first reply to Bildad, because Bildad will have another presentation here later. Uh, first of all, Job expresses God's awesome power, verses, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. So we'll see this. Job realizes that God is in control of everything, and therefore what is happening in his life is uh, occurring uh, well within God's ability uh, and so he expresses the power of God. It's not because God uh, is not capable to uh, uh, remove the difficulties. Secondly, Job expresses God's arbitrary power, meaning that God doesn't need to explain uh, what's happening in our lives. Um, and we'll read this in verses 14 through 24. Uh, arbitrary means God makes a decision. Whether it's based upon what we think is legitimate or not, God makes the decision, and his power is capable of uh, fulfilling his uh, desires. Third, <clears throat> we see that Job expresses his despair. Uh, verses 25 through 35, uh, we're going to see that uh, Job, in those last 10 verses, uh, he's he is frustrated. 
uh, he uh, is he comes to a point of despair, and so we're about at that point thirty five. We're about halfway through his uh, his commentary, and uh, we'll then next week we'll press on into uh, chapter ten. All right. In um, as we begin chapter nine. Uh, we might ask the question, how could a man plead with God, the uh, majestic sovereign? How in the world uh, do we come before God and plead uh, to him our case uh, before someone who is the sovereign of the universe, who knows everything? We see that Job could be overwhelmed by him if he dared confront him. How do we confront God? And we'll see that that in verses 14 through 20. The first uh, 13 verses, speaking of the, uh, God as the sovereign. Uh, we're going to see uh, that uh, Job's uh, expressing this, that God destroys people whether they're innocent or not. So he's saying, um, there's, how do we know? Uh, whether it's for this reason or for that. And then uh, Job's case, he sort of presents it or expresses it as being hopeless. So verse 1 in uh, chapter 9, verse 1 through 13, Then Job answered Bildad and said, Truly, I know it is so, um, because uh, Bildad is um, presenting Job as having failed here. Uh, And then at the end, he uh, offers him some hope. Uh, Job says he's aware of what Job has said here. Truly, I know it is so. But how can a man, a human being, be righteous before God. Um, so he's asking here, um, why is he suffering? Why, uh, how can he be continuously always righteous before God? There's going to be times when he's not, but he's going to try to be righteous. Verse 3, if one wished to contend with him, with God, he could not answer him. One time out of a thousand. Uh, So we've seen uh, Eliphaz say some of the same. Can a mortal, is how he expressed it, how can a mortal be more righteous than God? So how can we ever question God's, uh, what's happening to us? Job responded to that by asking, meaning uh, Eliphaz, uh, with almost the same uh, response here. And that is that uh, there is no way to answer him. Uh, Job could not. uh, So uh, when Eliphaz or uh, 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 Bildad uh, make their uh, sort of uh, evaluations of Job, they, they would say, he would say, how can I answer you? is more or less what we would see here. 
Verse 4. God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself uh, against him and prospered. Uh, The reason that Job sensed his inadequacy to present his case to God is that God, he said, is awesome in wisdom and in power. So how are we going to present ourselves before God if he is uh, mighty, uh, he's wise in his understanding. The word for heart here uh, is his understanding, his uh, his mind. Uh, again, ironically, God displayed those same two attributes when later he spoke to Job. We're going to see that in chapters 38 and chapter 40. Uh, so are we, when we ask certain questions, are we resisting God? Are we challenging God? Uh, We have to understand that we sometimes understand that it's risky or we think it's risky to approach God. And Job says he understands that. Now, I'm going to take a little different view there and say that God wants us to come to him. Very often we are frustrated. Very often we have a sense of despair. What should we do? Well, we would say just have faith, relax, uh, be comforted by uh, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's very difficult for us to do at times as humans. Uh, And therefore, God wants us to come to him, bring our problems, our difficulties, our despair to him. And very often, uh, it may seem like we're challenging God, but, but God is a, uh, a, He's a big guy. Uh, he's able to take that. And He wants us. As a matter of fact, He commands us to come to Him. Uh, not only that, but we have God the Holy Spirit who is praying for us, and we have a Holy, uh, a high priest who is in the throne room of God, who is going to uh, represent us as well. And so when we have difficulties, we should uh, simply uh, approach God, bringing them, and that we may be very uh, humble about it, or uh, we may be uh, passionate about it. But God understands. So uh, we should just simply remember God is there. I guess as we say, he's there for us. Verse 5. He removes the mountains and they do not know when he overturns them in his anger. Uh, the, the idea here is that God uh, is able to uh, uh, act uh, against or in a way that would consider we would consider to be exceedingly difficult. Who in the world is going to be able to move mountains? But God can. Uh, he He can do that. And it says here they don't 
they don't know when he overturns them in his anger. Of course, uh, his anger here is an anthropo uh, uh, meaning that God doesn't really have anger. He simply uh, acts in his uh, his wisdom and his uh, and his power. So, uh, verse six: He shakes the earth out of its place, and its pillars tremble. Uh, the the very found the very foundation of the of the earth. He commands the sun, and it does not rise. He seals off the stars. Now, uh, what when we say this, you know, we can go through here and say how well, how in the world does uh, God shake the earth, and uh, what happens when He shakes the earth? Uh, has He ever commanded the sun? so that it doesn't rise? And the answer is, I don't think that those are, that's the direction that um, God the Holy Spirit wants us to go, nor even Job, uh, or that he see, seals off the stars. But he has the power to do that if he wants to do that. There are some who would say, oh, well, what this means is that there's an, uh, an eclipse uh, or it's uh, just a really uh, uh, stormy night, uh, overcast, and we just can't see it. I, I don't think that that's what this means. It means that uh, it is the uh, the universe operating beyond God's. Uh, com- control and the answer is no. Um, one of the things that happens uh, routinely, almost without um, seeming seemingly without any uh, uh, control, is the sun rising. And uh, if God wants to change the direction of the sun, you know, that which would require uh, action with the earth. Uh, God could do that. God is capable of this. So we're looking here at the awesome power of God. Uh, verse 8, He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Uh, he spreads out the heavens. Uh, God can do uh, all of these things. Uh, stretching out the heavens uh, is like the, the sense here, he spreads out the heavens. It's The heavens are a tent for us. And he spreads that out for us. Uh, he treads on the waves. Uh, his power is evident in uh, sea storms. So when it says he treads on the well, the waves of the sea, it seems to mean that when when we look at the waves, when we look at the storm uh, that that occurs in oceans and seas, um, God is the one who can either start them, stop them, and I think treading here means if we were to go out here to a puddle. 
and we were to walk through it, we would cause turbulence, turbulence of the water. And so it's as if God is walking on the waves of the sea, causing the turbulence that's there. God uh, does this. Uh, so Job here attributes uh, all of these things, these phenomenons, to God alone. Uh, who else can tread on the seas? Who can move the mountains? Uh, this is our God. This is our God. <clears throat> Verse 9. He made the bear. Or, uh, or, Orion. Uh, Orion. And the Pallades. And the chambers. And I think the, a better translation here. I did a little digging on this. Chambers. The word, the Hebrew word, can also have the sense of a display. And I think it's um, it's a reference to the first part of the verse. These are the consolations. So that, and the constellations of the, of the south. And the south here probably is the southern sky. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, Job, as he as he's speaking, and then it was later written, recorded. Uh, he he's looking at the uh, the universe, the sky, and back then they were aware of these various constellations, and of course they are not only made, but they're uh, controlled by God. He does great things. He does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without num without number. So, in His creative power, God made the starry constellations. And uh, how much uh, Job knew, uh, or how much he. Uh, was uh, repeating from uh, someone else said. But we know today, as we are continually, uh, continually reaching out into the universe, we know that there are billions of, uh, of galaxies and probably gallic, uh, billions of stars in, in, in each one. They're, it, they're just innumerable. And so that's what we have here. Uh, he does great things past finding out, beyond uh, understanding. Yes, uh, wonders without number. Uh, there's no way we can even begin to uh, number uh, the the remarkable activities that God has provided. Uh, the works of God are so amazing and numerous that the human mind simply cannot comprehend them. Uh, <clears throat> verse 11. If he goes by me, meaning if he passes by, I do not see him. If he moves past, I do not perceive him. 
the last phrase there, I do not perceive him. I don't understand. Here's another another way that that could be stated. And I think what the phrase is desiring to uh, express, if he moves past me, we can say, I don't understand why. In other words, we have these uh, four phrases. If he goes by me, if he passes by me, I don't see him. He's there. He's passing by. Uh, he moves past me. And I don't understand why is another un- uh, way to, ex- uh, to express that. So we could say that the reference to God's passing by here uh, is uh, God's uh, Job saying that God is here. God is acting. God has provided uh, or could do whatever he wants. Uh, and very often we don't understand why. Verse 12. If he takes away, if he takes away, who can hinder him? <laughs> you know, if the Lord wants to do something, who in the world is ever going to oppose him? Um, who can say to him, what are you doing? As if to say, uh, Explain yourself. So Job is saying here that God's like a plunderer. There's no one who can challenge what he does. Verse 13, God will not withdraw his anger. The allies of the proud lie prostrate, crushed beneath him. Uh, God will not withdraw his anger. Uh, And again, uh, this is uh, not a characteristic that God has, but if he's going to act, if there is uh, a a deed that he wants to perform, he will do that. He's he's not going to withdraw his action because someone has has challenged him. The next uh, uh, part of the verse the allies of the proud. Uh, the word for proud is Rahav. And most uh, theologians, even though we have a translation here of the proud, but uh, Rahab or Rahab uh, is not a reference to uh, Rahab because that history probably happened much later. So he's not referring to uh, Rahab uh, in and around uh, Jericho. But this is probably Rahab is a uh, a, a methodic, uh, uh, someone from the Canaanite myths, uh, uh, the Babylonian creation uh, epics. Uh, probably somewhere uh, in the same uh, uh, vintage or uh, power as Leviathan. So we bring these people into it. Um, So this might be, uh, as we uh, read about what's happening uh, in the sea uh, and what's happening 
in the uh, in the earth, it's possible that uh, this word uh, is better translated, transliterated here, Rahab, but the proud or uh, the uh, gods of that time might be the sense. Um, so, uh, but uh, God will not withdraw his anger. The allies of Rahab lie uh, prostrate prostrate or crushed beneath him. In other words, God is able to crush any of these uh, mythological um, gods, uh, powers that are often uh, worshipped. Now, as we move to verse 14, we're reading about God's arbitrary power. Verse 14, verses 14 through 24 how then can I answer him and choose my words to reason, to reason with him? So we've just studied his awesome power. Since God is so great, God again, uh, Job again wonders how, how he could possibly plead his case and, and when. Of course, this is a, we'll see as we move forward here that there's somewhat of a conundrum here that's uh we might say that uh in a legal controversy with God it would be essential to choose the correct words the very uh the very words you choose you must do so very carefully humanly speaking but the calmness and presence of mind to do to do that would be shattered by the overwhelming terror of God's presence. So God's presence is there. You're standing before him. And we'll see that he is the judge. Uh, Verse 15, For though I were righteous, I could not answer him. I I would beg mercy of my judge, since he would be speechless in God's presence. All he could hope for was for a judge who would... uh, bring mercy. And of course, the dilemma that Job has here is that the Lord would be both his adversary because that's what he's saying. God, if if God is the one who is bringing the, uh, the, the difficulty and the hardship in his life, then God is the adversary. And he's not only the adversary, we might be able to say that he is uh, the uh, prosecutor, but he's also the judge. And so you could say that the uh, um, prosecutor and the judge are in in bed together. And how are you going to win that case? Um, Verse 16, if I called and he answered me, I would not believe that he was listening to my voice, for he crushes me with a tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. Um, He thought he probably would not even get a hearing, is what he's saying, uh, because God is the one who's caused this. God would crush him and overwhelm him. He will not allow me to catch my breath, but fills me with bitterness. If it... If... If it is a matter of strength, indeed, he is strong. 
And if, and if of justice, who will appoint my day in court? And so what he's saying here, uh, God is control of this uh, legal process. Uh, in both strength and justice, God is supreme, thus leaving Job with no hope. That's the sense that we have here. Uh, Job is saying that whether it is a trial of strength or an appeal to justice, he's unable to go against God. And that's true. And very often, I think that's where we find ourselves. We are uh, wondering why something's happening. And in a way, that's uh, challenging God. And uh, we're not going, we are not more powerful than God. And we uh, simply cannot um, outmaneuver or uh, overcome his justice. Verse 20. Though, and I think a better word here is if, if I were righteous, my own mouth would condemn me. Uh, in other words, uh, even if we're righteous before God, uh, we're not going to be able to over uh, overturn this. Though I were blameless, it would prove me perverse. Uh, Job was afraid. Uh, Job was afraid he would become confused and witness in court against himself. My mouth would condemn me. My own mouth would condemn me. So Job knows that in a legal dispute, he would be confused and would end up arguing against himself. Himself. Verse 21, I am blameless, yet I do not know myself. Uh, I despise myself, uh, yet I do not know myself. Uh, I have no concern for myself. Uh, I am, I'm blameless. Uh, how can I uh, overcome this? Uh, there comes a time in his life when I have no concern for myself and I despise myself. Uh, verse 22, it is all one thing. Therefore, I say he destroys the blameless and the wicked. Uh, for the sake of argument, Job has said, if I were innocent and blameless. Uh, now he affirms that I am blameless. Uh, several times, Job, Job avows his innes, his innes, uh, innocence. Uh, but even so, Job concluded, what difference does it make? Whether blameless or wicked, God could arbitrarily destroy him. It's up to God. Now, you know, we would have to say here that God is not arbitrary in that way, but J this is how Job is expressing his frustration. If the scourge slays, kills, uh, destroys, suddenly he, God, laughs at the plight of the innocents, uh, the innocent. Uh, now, w here we can see that Job, uh, again, his frustration is um, appearing. Uh, this means that his treatment of despair of the innocent, God is, in essence, mocking him. That's what he's saying. God laughs at the plight of the innocent. 
God doesn't laugh. This is a uh, uh, an anthropo. Uh, por- uh, he laughs. I guess you could say it's uh, anthropomorphism, uh, laughing uh, physically, or an anthropomorphism. Uh, verse twenty-four: The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the faces of its judges. Uh, in other words, he covers the faces of the judges uh, so that they either can't uh, act properly or they don't. It is, uh, if it is not he, who else could it be? Uh, this is, we probably describe it as indiscriminate, indiscriminate action. Uh, like a scourge, a scourge bringing death to the innocent and and wicked uh, Jews, uh, judges ruling over a nation. Um, here, for the first of several times, Job uh, accuses God of unfaithfulness. But this is Job, I think, uh, talking himself through this. Uh, and comes to uh, the the correct conclusion. And that's what we should have when we're praying to God. We may uh, express um, something that is uh, wrong, something that's inappropriate. But as we work our way through our uh, concentration, working through our frustration, uh, we come to the right conclusion eventually. And that's what God expects us to do. Uh, <clears throat> the last paragraph here, beginning in verse 25, we're going to see that Job sensed that his case was useless because his days were fleeting. We'll see that uh, he... he uh, uh, he sees his case as uh, useless because God held him guilty no matter what he did and no one could mediate his case because God, there's no one who's going to be able uh, equal to him, Job, and uh, equal to God. So, verse 25. I'll try to move here through these quickly. Uh, his days were fleeting, verses 25 and 26. Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. In other words, he's saying that my life is uh, lost here. Um, and this is Job returning to the thought of the brevity of his life. He had mentioned that in chapter 7. But now the fig... The figure is a swift runner. Uh, back in chapter 7, it was the quick moving of the uh, weaver's shovel. Verse 26, they pass by like swift sheep, uh, ships, like an eagle swooping on its prey. So uh, choosing these examples of something that is quick, fast. Uh, verse, verse 25 says the runner. Here we have ships and eagles uh, swooping down on prey. Uh, depicts the speed on land, on sea, and in the air. 
uh, verses 27 through 31, God held him guilty no matter what he did, it says. Verse 27, if I say, I will forget my complaint, I will put off my sad face and wear a smile. So I can just put it, put it off, uh, um, forget my complaint, and I can act cheerfully, we could say, smiling. Uh, could be, we might even say, uh, having the brightness of my, my faith. Uh, I am afraid of all my sufferings. I know that you will not hold me innocent. So even even if God, uh, Job challenge, changes his appearance, he still dreads the suffering because he knows that God is treating him as a, a uh, someone who is guilty. Verse 29, uh, If I am condemned, why then do I labor in vain? Job's plight here, uh, was great for even if he tried to forget his problem and smile, he would still be guilty before God. So he might say, why should I try? Uh, 30, verse 30, if I wash myself with snow water and cleanse my hands with soap, yet you will plunge me into the slime, into the pit, the slime, uh, slime pit, and my clothes will abhor me. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, if I wash my, myself with snow water, uh, the remarkable thing about this, as we look at this, it says snow water. Uh, it was often thought, and I think it probably is, is accurate, uh, if you receive snow and then as it's melting and running uh, into some sort of a container, uh, it was often believed that that uh, water was as pure water as you could find because uh, it had gone through the hydrologic process of evaporating, condensing, and then um, uh, snowing or raining. And so it was believed that uh, you would purify your hands by washing yourself or your body that way. Cleanse my hand or cleanse my hand with soap. Yet you will plunge me into the, uh, and the word for pit here has got the idea of uh, uh, a pit that is full of slime. And my clothes will abhor me. Uh, verse 32 begins uh, the last part of this uh uh, chapter, no one can mediate his case, Job's case, 40, 32. For he is not a man, God is not a man as I am, that I may answer him and that he, that we should go to court together. In other words, I'm not going to go to court against God. Uh, the idea of debating his situation in court seems useless. After all, God is divine and not a man. And as I said before, if God is the one bringing the case and God is the judge, then uh, this is useless, he's saying. 33, nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hands on us both. Uh, no arbitrator could possibly stand above both God and man. Uh, who could be greater than God? Uh, in, uh, so 
the idea here of laying his hand upon both of them uh, means that uh, it's a fair thing. It's um, impartial to both sides. Uh, Verse 34, let him take his rod. And some people think that the word for rod here just means power. But uh, in the context here, this is the sense of punishment. It's discipline. Let him take his discipline, his rod, away from me. And do not let dread of him terrify me. So uh, this is the sense of um, of Job asking to remove the uh, the punishment that is occurring here. Then I would speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. Uh, there is no one who can remove God's rod, uh, his rod of affliction, which is what Job believes is occurring. Uh, and no one can remove uh, his terror, um, uh, the terror of God. If such were possible, Job would con- uh, confront God fearlessly. But he says in despair here, uh, I cannot. Uh, why? Because God is an awesome power. Uh, and I think, again, uh, the reason that it's important for us to read this or study this is that this is uh, Job going through a process of expressing his uh, his feelings and his observations to God. And we're not going to see that God... Uh, uh, punishes him for that he matter of fact god never really gets around to answering his question he just says i'm god and uh what i do uh as god uh is uh not to be questioned and but it takes us very often uh, a while to work our through uh, ourselves through those situations but it's not, I don't think it's uh, improper to approach God with these questions. Uh, it is a way of comforting ourselves. And, of course, we have uh, a power that uh, Job did not have, and that, of course, is God the Holy Spirit, who uh, is able to comfort us, uh, who uh, is our uh, advocate, uh, with God the Father, and uh, as we read these, and next week uh, we'll uh, attack chapter 10, we continue to see the human uh, view uh, that Job has uh, towards this situation. And we, we need to learn from it and not judge uh, Job um, as he works his way through this difficulty. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your extraordinary provisions for us. We're thankful that we can come to you. Uh, As a matter of fact, you command us to um, uh, come to him uh, with uh, 
our desires, our needs, uh, our problems, our despairs, um, things that cause despair, uh, Father, because uh, God the Holy Spirit is uh, uh, assisting us, our uh, whole, uh, high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is representing us, and Father, we know that uh, we can be comforted by you uh, and your plan. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that whatever it is that we desire will immediately occur, will ever occur. But you know what we need. And while we may um, feel helpless or hopeless, um, you are able to provide for us. And therefore, Father, we are thankful for your plan, your purpose. Uh, and uh, while Job may seem to be going through an extraordinary difficult uh, time, uh, we know that uh, you will provide uh, uh, comfort for him as you do for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd asked...